Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Oh God, you're here. And we are here, Lord. May we be conscious of your presence. May our hearts be open to receive you fully as your heart is open to receive us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to see everyone. And Calvin's being baptized today, and some of y'all may remember him. He likes to uh, help me with my sermons. And so today's payback day for Calvin. So twice a year, twice a year, every six months, I visit my doctor. And I do it for a wellness checkup. Uh, Matter of fact, I have one scheduled here in a couple weeks. Uh, And the checkup's hopefully just to evaluate how I'm doing and how, how is my health? And so I always begin um, with making sure I make my appointment at Quest Diagnostics, right? Because they want to draw my blood for my diagnostic test. And then, about a week later, I go to my doctor. And that's judgment day. That's when I get to hear all about my cholesterol level, my blood pressure, my sugar levels, my body weight, (laughs) but it's really just an evaluation of my lifestyle and how my lifestyle is impacting my health. Hey, you know what? You do this to me today and guess what? (laughs) But it's all about how's my diet, right? How's, how's my exercise? What are my stress levels like? Um, am I working too hard? How is all of these factors impacting my health? And this checkup is essential to determining my overall wellness. And it's important, right? It's important that we get a checkup to know how we're doing. Well, today we celebrate Christ the King. Christ the King Sunday. It's the final day of the church calendar. Next Sunday, we begin Advent 1. But this week, we pause. And we pause for a couple reasons. One, we pause to reflect on the meaning of Christ's reign over the church, over the world, and our lives. We say that he is the King of kings, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, right? And so, what kind of king is he? Right? But it's also an opportunity for us to kind of pause, if you will, and just do a little checkup. See how we're doing, you know? The image of this final judgment that we just read about. And Calvin is apparently going to get that. Uh, I'm kidding. That's a joke. The image of the final judgment and the Son of Man one day separating goats and sheep is a diagnostic tool, if you will, designed to serve as an annual wellness checkup for how we are doing on our journey with Christ. 
It's also a way of checking out our baptismal promises because we make those, we'll make those again. We'll renew our baptismal vows just like when you do a marriage vows, right? And you renew your marriage vows every 10 years or 5 years or 20, whatever it may be. Well, every time there's a baptism, we renew our baptismal vows. Those promises that we make to God to live this kind of life with God's help. And so we're going to check out our baptismal promises to share the story of, A, how God is in the person of Jesus Christ has transformed us and our world. We also um, will look how are we about inviting others to experience God's love and grace in Christ, to love and serve God in all people, including ourselves. And we also say that we'll respect the dignity of every person. So how are we doing? Because much like a doctor wants us to flourish physically, God, the great physician, Jesus, wants us to flourish as well. And this morning's gospel, this is really important, is the last public teaching of Jesus in Matthew. It sums up the whole teaching ministry of Jesus. It's kind of like Matthew has set Jesus up right before he starts to go into Jerusalem Jesus is going to say something incredibly important. In this parable, Jesus seems to indicate that our spiritual health in this diagnostic test, our, our, our final judgment, as it's called, will be based, are you ready for this? Will be based not on our stated religious beliefs, not on what creeds we say or don't say, or believe it or not, Americans, even our political affiliation. Jesus seems to say that our spiritual health, the final judgment, um, will based on how we have treated the vulnerable, the powerless, the desperate, and the defenseless in this life. Simple, ordinary acts like sharing a meal, paying a visit, offering a welcome. Maybe even, you know, you ever met one of those Christians? You go, you a Christian? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, yeah, you might run around and remind your face, right? Smile a little bit. Act like you've got some joy inside you because it's just basic, simple things. And that's what Jesus is getting at. You know, I told you all this story, but last summer, whenever it was, I got a letter from this woman. I've never met her before. She's a grandmother. She was on her way to Seattle to go see her new grandson. And the Uber driver dropped her off in a parking lot somewhere and just left her. And he was in a... Something wasn't right with his Uber driver. And she didn't know what to do. And so she looked around, and it was in the early morning, and there, she was in a strange neighborhood. And so she just went to this business. She was crying. She was upset. She had her luggage with her. And uh, long story short, a man comes up to her, and says, look, God sent you an angel this morning, ma'am. He said, I'll take you to the airport. And so he takes her to the airport, drops her off, and comes, well, I get a letter. I get this letter telling me all about this and a check for like $100 or something. And she says to me, well, she tells me her whole, everything that happened. And then she says, well, this person says that he attends St. Michael's Church in Orlando. And how much he loves St. Michael's. And um, so I wanted to give something back to St. Michael's to say thank you. And so we, yeah, 
All right, you can, you can applaud. It's okay. And if people, if Episcopalians tell you that you can't do that, they need to read this story here, right? All right. So the point is, it was a ride to the airport. That's probably an inconvenience on his part. But the point is, is that he was treating her like she was Jesus, Right? I mean, instead of standing at the pearly gates, y'all know that's going to happen. You get up to the pearly gates, and, and, and with a checklist of beliefs asking, okay, make sure that you affirm things like the doctrine of the Trinity, that you have that well. Okay, make sure you got the virgin birth right, or the correct atonement theology. Make sure that you know whether it's the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, or Whatever, transubstantial, no, no, doesn't seem to be what Jesus is saying. At the pearly gates, Jesus seems to be saying, I'm going to ask you a simple question. I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was thirsty. Did you give me something to drink? I was a stranger. Did you invite me in? I was naked. Did you clothe me? I was sick and in prison. Did you come and visit me? Well, that's a lot better in theology, isn't it? Some heady philosophical theology stuff, you might trip up on that, but these seem to be pretty simple, don't they? There's an old saying, I don't know who originally said it, it says, nobody gets into heaven. Nobody gets into heaven without a letter, a reference letter from those who are poor and vulnerable and in need. And something. And it's got really quiet in here. This is one of those pew squirmers a little bit, right? All right, so in today's sermon, in today's lesson, we see that both the sheep and the goats are surprised that they have encountered Jesus whenever they met the least of these. Whether they were caring for the needs of others or ignoring the needs of others, the surprise for both the sheep and the goats is the same. Lord, when did we see you? When did we see you? I think the reason both the sheep and the goats show surprise is also the same. Because when responding out of our identity in Christ, our baptismal identity, where we are buried, we're raised, and we share in the life of Christ, and that is our identity, it doesn't occur to us that we're doing anything special or unusual. We're just simply loving our neighbor. We're just simply loving another human being. It isn't that caring for the poor or the sick or the hungry makes you a sheep or a goat. Caring for the poor and the sick and whomever God puts in front of you, the hungry, demonstrates whether you are already a sheep or a goat. It is in loving and serving our neighbors that our love for God lives, moves, and has its being in us. What do y'all think about that? That seems to be at least kind of what Jesus seems to be suggesting, you know? I mean, Jesus was kind of big on this love stuff, you know? You know? I mean, you'd think he would want to, like, get into the rubrics of the prayer book or, or he'd want to debate theology or come up with some doctrines or whatever, 
that we could all debate and discuss and memorize. But he doesn't. The only thing that seems to really matter about Jesus is this love stuff. What's up with that? I mean, he actually believed that the greatest thing that you could do is love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. He actually believed that. Isn't that crazy? And then he said this. Y'all ready? Then he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. He goes, that's kind of like loving God. And he said, everything, all the laws of God, hang on that. Everything the prophets talked about, everything the church is about, everything hangs on that. And Paul even said, look, dude, you can be the greatest liturgical scholar on the planet. You can chant and sing like an angel. You can be the biblical PhD scholar the most well-respected one, and have not love. And he goes, that's just a bunch of noise, and it's nothing. Because love wins. Love matters. See, it's in loving God and serving our neighbors that, that, that our love for God literally comes alive in us. It is in loving and serving our neighbors that we love and serve God. It is in loving and serving our neighbors that our personal relationship with God actually grows and strengthens. And it's in loving and serving our neighbors that the world will know that we belong to him. Jesus, right before they handed him over to be crucified, told his disciples, I'm giving you a new commandment. No crying in church. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. This way the world will know that you are my followers. He didn't say anything about political affiliation, despite what the news people want you to believe. He seems to think that this love stuff matters. If my identity lies simply in myself or what I think makes me important in this world, I won't see the needs of people around me. They won't matter. I got mine. Go get yours. But when I identify with Jesus, something changes. Something shifts inside me. And it's not because I'm so wonderful, although I am. No. It's because Jesus is in me. And he's in you. And we begin to see others. And we begin to see Jesus in others. I see them as Jesus sees them. And I see Jesus in them. That's crazy. But this is what Jesus seems to think Christianity is all about. Notice the sheep didn't do anything spectacular in the story. They just were simply loving their king. And in loving him, they loved the least among them as a natural consequence without ever thinking about why. Here's the deal. We don't serve others to save them. We don't save those we serve. 
The truth is, they save us. They save us. They save us from indifference. They save us from fear. They save us from self-centeredness. Because the goal, I don't think, is about charity. It's about conversion. It's about the conversion of our hearts. And when we are serving what Jesus considered the least of these, we encounter him in their presence, and it changes us. It changes us. Lord, when did we feed you or clothe you or visit you in prison? And when do we? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. That's something, isn't it? Once I was walking down the street in San Francisco, this is a true story. I've told it to you all 50 times already, but I'm going to tell it to you again. I was walking down the street in San Francisco. One of my best friends was a priest. I wasn't a priest at the time. But we're walking down the street right in the middle of the heart of the city, and we were having this really heavy conversation about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And we were discussing anamnesis and all this Greek Anyhow, as we're walking, discussing the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, both of us, at the exact same time, stepped over a homeless guy right in the middle of the sidewalk, and we kept walking. And I paused for a moment, and I looked at my friend, and I said, you know what? I think we just stepped over Jesus. We were debating about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and according to Jesus, he was right there in the middle of the sidewalk. We just stepped right over top of him. Jesus seems to be suggesting that anytime we see a human being in need, that God expects us to assume that this person is him and then behave accordingly. And here's the thing, folks. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a sheep, sometimes a little bit of a goat. This diagnostic test is not to shame me or condemn me or beat me up. This diagnostic test is about giving me life, about making me healthy and whole. And Jesus is suggesting to us that when we serve others, it's a demonstration of our health and our wholeness. It's a demonstration of God who is moving in us and that is why we do all the things that we do here at St. Michael's, right? I mean, just this week, uh, okay, I'll try to be brief. Just this week, we had a single mother of three children who was homeless, without food, without any resources, and nowhere to go. What do you do? Was she Jesus? Was it little kids, Jesus? What do we do? How do we respond? This church, this community, you know how we responded? We got her a place to stay. We got her food. We got her a safe, comfortable place for her children during the week of Thanksgiving at least. And we're working to get her stabilized. Yeah, we love people, but we love Jesus in doing that. And one of those little kids looks exactly like Jesus. And so did that mama. You know, Mark and DeGeneres De De Cole on Tuesday was coming out of Vestry and they were driving in the parking lot Tuesday evening. And they had just got back from the Coalition for the Homeless or a gathering where they had gone down and served like four or 500 people a meal. 
And they're in their car. They're driving out. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? They're like, we just uh, went to the coalition. I said, how was that? It was awesome, Father Rick. It was amazing. I said, yeah, Jesus was there. Because when you're scooping bread pudding, you're scooping bread pudding pudding for Jesus. That bread pudding, and you're handing it to that person, you're giving Jesus a big scoop of bread pudding, man. You know, like our feet are lambs, you know, and you put peanut butter and oatmeal and all the other goodies and things that we do for all these food insecure children in our area up here, a couple hundred kids a week or whatever that is, when we're washing their clothes and giving them washing machines to wash their clothes and things. You know what we're telling them? We're saying, Jesus, we care about you. We love you, Jesus. Here's a jar of peanut butter, Jesus, because we don't want you to be hungry. Feed my lambs. Is really about feeding Jesus in all those people. And that's why we do what we do here. And it's beautiful, according to Jesus. According to Jesus, it's the most greatest, beautiful thing that we can do. And i got to just tell you all something, and I won't talk about this much more. I, I, I write a check, and I put it in the offering plate. But I, I tell you, I love St. Michael's, and I love y'all. Right, But when I put the check in the offering plate, I'm just being straight up honest with you. I, I, I'm giving that to Jesus, man. That's how I see it in my heart. I'm not giving money to this church to pay an electric bill. I'm giving it to Jesus so that people can encounter Jesus here. That's what it feels like to me. And that's why we do everything that we do. It's just a diagnostic test. To help make us whole and healthy. Thomas Merton said this. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. That is not our business. And in fact, it's nobody's business. What we're asked to do is to love. And this love itself will render both ourselves and our neighbors as worthy. What you've done and what we do to the least of these, whomever they may be, we do it, we do it to Jesus. May we be healthy and whole. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.